Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Uh, Roy O'Neill with me as always. I'm delighted to have uh, Valerie, Valerie Mulcahy along with us as well. How are you, Val? Good, thank you. Very, very nice to have you on to look ahead to the primarily the um, the uh, women's league football football league final. Uh, but we we'll also talk about the camogie because Cork are in it, and sure, e Cork people always like to talk about Cork being in finals. No bother to you. Um, so well, listen. Mm-hmm. Well used it, to it, Mike. Uh, yeah. Indeed. But, you, indeed. but we usually lose them late. We're losing a lot of finals lately. <laughs> well, look at you're not even in this one. Uh, and um, in the in the football final, Mead v Donegal, obviously uh, in Croke Park on Sunday afternoon. And, and I had a quick look, Valerie. You have to go back to 2007 for the last time there was a final that didn't involve either Cork or Dublin. Interesting. That was that was Mayo v Galway. Um, would you ascribe to the idea that there's a new democratic era coming in women's football, or do you think that um, um, uh, natural order will 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 return come championship? I think if you actually look back to the era when we were playing, the era got a sound old. Maybe that's sound old. <laughs> um, it we actually had to play. I think it was something like six different teams in the All Irelands over the ten years. So uh, while we did manage to dominate, we only ever won by a point or two, and we played. Mayo twice, Kerry, Armagh, Galway, Mayo. Um, so like Monaghan as well. Mm. There was an vast array. Like I do think, you know, obviously like Smith coming forward now and and uh, really raising the bar again. I think it is exciting, but I don't think it's usually drastically changed. Donegal have been there thereabouts for the last number of years as well, and and have some really strong key players. Yeah, yeah. It's been an amazing story, Rory, really. I, I think um, I would say Mead last year, without a shadow of a doubt, kind of almost overshadowed Tyrone, Limerick, any other GA story last year. I think it was just the, the kind of Cinderella story, the rags to riches, just element of it, and the, just the speed of the ascent. And I think a lot of sports mm-hmm. fans are probably kind of happy that it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a, a one-off and that they're, they're backing it up now with this league campaign. Spot on. I think it was... Um... Yeah, I think it was unparalleled in terms of uh, romance. And if you want, uh, like, that's what we all want from sport. And I don't think there was any story out there for last year that could rival it. It was because I don't, I look, the reality, I mean, Val, I don't know whether you agree. No one gave them a chance in that final. Not a prayer. I, I certainly wouldn't have given them an absolute prayer in the final. They were coming up from Division Two and they were taking on a team going for five in a row, was it? Were they going for five or four yeah. in a row? Yeah, Double five. Yeah. Five. So, you know, and they've backed it up and, you know, they, 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 they just have a, an, a, they have a good manager, obviously, in Eamon Murray. They have an excellent array of players up front. Emma Duggan looks like she's back. She, her form has just continued over from last year. Um, I thought they, they were made work hard for that semi-final win. Obviously, they were 7-4 down, I think, at halftime. I, I watched both games. Now I think it was played in no it was played in Clonus, but I think there was a shocking bad wind up. And obviously that had a major effect on, you know, one half to the other. But I think they were seven four down at half time and they came out first 10 minutes of the second half, scored two two. Now obviously I think Dodigal went back down or uh, sorry, Mayo went down the other end of the field and scored a goal. And 
like they were kind of put to the pin of their collar. I thought they got a better test than they have certainly in their round robin matches. And um, they showed a lot of good character. Again, the kind of stuff that we associated with them from last year's All Ireland victory. I suppose the, there's a fly in the ointment. I suppose really it's the news about Vicky Wall, and um, that really is a major bummer because look, she's an absolute quality player. I mean, I know she wears kind of 13, 14, 15, but she drifts out around the middle. She sets everything up. She's yeah. she, she just orchestrates the whole thing. She's an unbelievable ball player. And if Meath lose her, ooh, that's, that's, that's a real tough one now to swallow. Yeah. Are the seasons overlapping? Like, will she actually... The word is, is, she, is, she, is, she, is she just emigrating though? Is she going out there for a couple Maybe Is the, is the word well, she's going the... for a few years? Do we know? The season is going to be, they're expanding the teams. Yeah. So just to mention, we will have an, an interview with Ayush Considine uh, later in the podcast ahead of the grand final that she's playing against um, Melbourne uh, in the early hours of Saturday morning. They're expanding it. There's going to be a second team in Adelaide for a start where where um, where Ayush is playing. And the season, it's, they haven't finalised it, but it's looking like it might start in September, which would mean that pre-season would probably be starting in July so it would pretty much put the kibosh on anyone playing in the, you know, in the senior championship here and playing in the AFL. So there's a lot of decisions to be made for, for at least 14 players around the country. Mm, that's yeah. A, yeah, that's yeah. tough now. Um, so well, hopefully this isn't the last hurrah for Vicky Wall. Um, you know, Because she's so, brilliant to watch. I absolutely yeah. love watching her. I mean, I thought, what a display she gave last year in that final. And like, I mean, look, she's been doing it. For a long time, I, I saw her in a club game there in Parnell Park in the flesh. And I mean, she's just quality, absolute mm. quality. And yeah, you just great. can't replace You can't replace that. No. Great ball carrier and yeah. accurate. And and yeah, really kind of dominates really on the pitch and really great presence about her. Yeah, she, she is obviously, she was kind of, you couldn't say she was the face of the team last year, but she was definitely the shining star, Valerie. But like, yeah. they have... They have a style of play that's, you know, they're incredibly hardworking, you know, kind of they get players behind the ball and they break very quickly. It's um, it's it's very entertaining to watch for a start, but it's also incredibly effective. Obviously, they're all yeah. Ireland champions. Yeah, it's interesting because I met her um, with, say, the underdogs soon after the All-Ireland to kind of gauge how... Was there going to be a flash in the pan or, or how keen they were on, on you know, trying to... Back, back what they'd done and try and dominate again this year and you know she was very adamant that they were all sticking around at that stage I guess she hadn't got the invite abroad but you know she was like no no we, we really want to to go at it again you know so there was that kind of um, positivity there but look I think when players given the opportunity to go into the sun be professional get some money try something new you kind of can't blame them <laughs> No, abs- absolutely not. You, you can't. Um, you just wish them well and hope, yeah. hope, they, come, hope they come back someday. <laughs> um, a big factor this one, Rory, will be, will be Croke Park itself. Um, uh, Mead are playing there, I think, for the, the fifth consecutive year. And Maxi Curran said himself during the week that this will be the first time some of his players have been in Croke Park as players or spectators. You know that. Um, so, you know, it is a factor. It's a, it's a big stadium. It's an, you know, obviously an intimidating place, no matter how many people are there. Um, so there, there's kind of this idea that Donegal might be kind of uh, on a shot to nothing here. Shot to nothing. But I, I would imagine the, like any victory you get over Dublin, 
at any stage, at any level, I think will give any team a massive shot of confidence. And I think they'll go into the final. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say they have nothing to lose because, you know, like, you know, like you, you just don't know whether Dublin will, you know, come back, whether Cork are, are looking to maybe improve and get back up to that top table again. So they probably have to take the opportunities when they come. And I think they will, they will take a lot. The only thing I would say was there was an element of fortuity with their semi-final win. I mean, they scored two goals inside a minute, which really turned the game. They were kind of left hanging on a small bit towards the back end. Again, it's hard to gauge because that game was obviously part of a double header in Clonus, and we don't know what way the weather conditions were like. But um, I think from that point of view, you know, I like, look, they, it was a bit of a smash and grab. Who cares? They got the win and that's all they'll care about. And Dublin don't lose that many matches. So I think that's, that's what, that's their attitude going into Sunday. And they play a really good brand of football. They're quite open. Um, I know, is it Jarlene McLaughlin, full forward? Yeah. She's, mm. she's, she, she's been playing now quite a while, I would imagine. Valerie, she's probably yeah, going back to you. She go, she's going back to your era, I would say, like, you know. And, and she, girl, yeah. yeah, you know, so like, you, you know, so she, they've got plenty of good leaders in there, plenty of players that have all had All-Ireland club success anyway, certainly. So I don't think... Um, Lacking in confidence is, I think, I don't think confidence is going to be an issue. Uh, the environs, as you know, and Valerie will be much better placed to attest to this in terms of Croke Park. It is a sort of a different environment and a different place to play football, generally speaking. You know, the ground and the ball moves that little bit faster and quicker. So who that will suit? You know, look, you probably would say me would have a certain advantage there, given the fact that they're slightly more familiar with it. But I kind of see this very much as a 50-50. Mm. It's um they won't lack for commitment anyway. Um, Valerie Donegal, Max Kern again said during the week they've been training in Oma because they have so many players, you know, based in Dublin and the area and the area and the surrounds that that's actually the makes the most sense for them to um to, to train. So if you're a Donegal player based in the Inishowen Peninsula, you've got a fair old trip to train in. Um, so like it's phenomenal commitment, but I'm sure like it's nothing. It's nothing foreign to any intercounty player way. in any code. Obviously, you come from. You were playing in the biggest county in Ireland, where you know so many of the players were from West Cork. But <laughs> where did you yeah. train? Pardon. We, we where did you train? Farm, just... Which should have been central, but I mean, it took girls two hours to get training. Yeah. Some girls nearly. Uh, um. What I find interesting is, uh, you know, Meads are, there's going to be no surprise element to them this year. They have to kind of wear that favours tag and get used to that. So that brings with it its own issues or kind of challenges. So um, that'll the element be interesting. Of surprise, you know? Element of surprise is brass. Yeah, gone. So, uh, and people know how they play, but it's still very hard to stop, you know. So, um, and look, Donegal are fierce ball carriers as well, carriers also, and have some amazing forwards who work really well together and hold up the ball and and are very hard to dispossess so um i think it'll be a really exciting match hopefully it's not too defensive and um, because i think these forwards can can you know showcase some great football um so i'm really look, looking forward to it yeah um kelsey nesbitt rory is uh unfortunately made forward and missed out entirely last year uh through injury and has had has made quite the impact so um you know they have got stronger 
Um, so I'm just wondering, how do you see it going, Rory? How, how would you call it? Yeah, like I, I, I look, you, you, as Valerie mentioned there, I just think that little bit of extra experience, a little bit of maturity in Meads play now. I think that, you know, Dublin aside, I think they were probably more impressive in their round robin games. Um, maybe a slightly easier side of the draw. Um, so I have a hesitant nod for me, but I think it'll be pretty tight. I wouldn't say by much. Okay, and yourself, how do you see it going, Val? Probably, yeah, just given the, the difference in the matches they played, like two-point win, eight-point win, they lost by point, two-goal win. They've just managed to kind of score more and um, probably just slightly tip me, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Gold pulled it off. Yeah. Okay, well, look, it should be... It's nice. It's a novel final pairing, and I think it's. I think people are looking forward to it. Um, a quick mention then. Obviously, on RTE television on Saturday evening, we have the Division One final of the Camogie League as well. Rory, um, mm. your own Cork, uh, banging her head against that uh, maroon wall again against a uh, Galway team who obviously beat them by three points in um in the All Ireland final last year. Um, Galway don't look any any weaker. Um, obviously they they they're the Sarsfields. Crowd got that monkey after back and, and beat Howard in the in the league final or I'm sorry in the club final. Um, he looked very strong. The one thing he'd say is the way the league is structured that they've only had three games each at most. So, and a lot of them played in the atrocious weather we had in the last couple of months. So it's very hard to gauge what is different about either of these teams. Obviously, Cork have new management as well. Yeah, and both teams going into it unbeaten. I think that's a healthy position in terms of again if you're talking about confidence. And so, and I think, look, from a Cork perspective, they're under brand new management. Cahal Murray, I think, is still involved with Galway and has built again. And they're, look, I mean, look, I think, you know, you're looking at some of their players, like Sneev Kilkenny and that, like, I mean, they're just top class hurlers right across the board. So I wouldn't, I, like, I, look, you'd, you'd still imagine because Cork are kind of, it's a kind of a new Cork team. They've had a bit of turnover. There's a few new faces coming in and Matthew Toomey obviously knows over him and obviously Davey's gone in as coach. So it'll be interesting to see, like, will there be a change in the style, change in the approach? Obviously, Paddy Murray being there for such a long time, he had a, one particular way of playing. Matthew and obviously Davey, are, is, is that going to come with something a little bit different? I think they're going to get their best test all year. And I think it'll be a really good contest for both teams ahead of the championship because, look, it's a it's cup on the line, Croke Park. So what more do you want at this time of the year as you prep for the big one, which is coming down the tracks fairly shortly? Yeah. Uh, Valerie, the, the, the sprinkle of stardust, I suppose, in, in Cork is, is perhaps being provided on the sideline by Davy Fitzgerald or stardust might, might be the might be the wrong phrase, but um, he certainly brings a little bit more attention, which I suppose is no harm at all for women's sport, which is obviously riding riding the crest of a wave. Um, how do you feel about this kind of the uh, the jumping of codes by coaches who are um, I suppose better known for men's? <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I think it'll help Cork. It'll help the profile. He's very, obviously very passionate. He's huge knowledge. Um, he'll bring a freshness to them. He'll definitely get the best out of them. And whether that's through fear or running <laughs> them mad, do mad things. But uh, do you know what? It's something different. It's, you know, uh, you know, he's still about the players, even though sometimes it feels like it's about him. But I think some of that is just to distract and allow the players to concentrate on themselves. So, um. It, it has excitement and it's something new. It it definitely raised the profile in Cork and in Camogie in general. And and I think that's the way it's been going. Like, I mean, with the likes of John Cleary there and 
ladies football with a minor manager and gone into the men's team now um, it's quite fluid you know, across the board yeah I think yeah and I think it's great showing the attractiveness of coaching women's teams yeah absolutely and um, Roy the, the, the two well they were de facto semi-finals because they were kind of group deciding games yeah. Yeah. Um, were decided by uh, Cork got a, a late draw 1-8 draw against 1-8 apiece draw against Kilkenny with a late free and uh, it was the same for Galway who needed a late free um, to be Tipperary to decide it so um, the teams at the top they do seem very closely matched and again I would use the caveat that the weather for a lot of these matches was really was really woeful um, but there does seem to be a real bunching at the top of Camogie at the moment it's a pity that like you know look I think in one sense uh, women's football I think is adding real depth to the field with the likes of Mead, Mayo obviously coming back again Donegal at the top table Dublin Cork always going to be there Galway were in a final not so long ago so you've got you know a multitude I think in, hur- in hurling unfortunately it's just lacking that little bit more depth but look, that's that's an evolution thing that'll come that's just all part of like I mean look for 100 years the same <laughs> for 100 yeah, years doesn't have the depth 100 and odd years in hurling in men's hurling there was only three teams basically shared the All-Ireland up between them you know it was like a de facto sort of a tri-nations so look I think from yeah but at the same time the top teams Cork, Kilkenny and Galway are playing at a really really good level and you know at a and I think there's a really good quality to their play. And I think it's just up to all the other teams to try and kind of get up there and match that. And I think Tipperary are getting closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, there's a huge depth in, like certainly in Cork and Galway anyway, the pick they have, the amount of players that are playing the game at underage level, the amount of clubs that are, you know, fostering the game and pushing it. You see, I see this all the time myself when I'm at these underage blitzes, you know, and um, particularly in the women's, and particularly for Camogie, which hurl, well, look, it's hurling. I don't know call, anyway, that's another day's story. We won't get into that. Right? <laughs> oh, no, no, we'll get into that. But now. yeah, so like it's just, just the depth, and that's that's the thing. Like if you really want to compete, you've got to put depth into it, and the only way you're going to get depth into it at intercounty level is you've got to put the num- the boots on the ground at club level. That ultimately you know, improve the quality of player that you get at the back end. And I think that's just where maybe the other counties are falling back a small bit, like, you know. Yeah. But I think from a Cork perspective, I think they're looking good for this weekend. I think they will certainly have the grip between their teeth in terms of last year's All-Ireland final. Ashing Thompson is hurling well. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe Sigerson is going well. Libby Coppinger's playing good stuff at full back. So, you know, look, you'd be hopeful going in there now on Saturday night that they could uh, that they could get the job done and again set them up nicely for championship yeah i'd ask for predictions when i'm talking to two course people so i think <laughs> we'll, we'll hold off on the predictions yeah, yeah. um this is on saturday morning uh our time uh Irish constantine's adelaide crows are coming up against Sinead goldrick's melbourne it's probably not how it's been described in australia but here in ireland that's how we're describing it um i caught up with Ailish earlier just to see how her prep is going and how her season has gone and as she heads into remarkably her third grand final of her afl career Okay, delighted to be joined by Irish Constantine of the Adela- Adelaide Crows this Saturday morning, early, early, early Irish time, about 3.30am, I think. The Crows take on Melbourne FC in the uh, AFL, women's AFL final in the Adelaide Over- Oval, which is a... Uh, uh, Irish, that's a pretty big stadium. It's not your home ground, obviously. You You play elsewhere normally, so... To have the final in the Adelaide Oval must be pretty special. 
It is. Um, we normally play our games at Norwood Oval, which is a significantly smaller oval. Um, so we are very lucky to get into Adelaide Oval for, for prelims and for the grand final itself when we managed to finish top. And unfortunately, we have done in the past um, past two past few seasons. So, yeah, it's it's always um, unbelievable to get into Adelaide Oval because it's the same field as getting into Croke Park back home. So it's getting into the major stadium in your in your in your state is just pretty special. So, mm. um, and what kind of crowd are you expecting? Do you know what ticket sales are like? Or yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard much yet on on how how many tickets have been sold, but I reckon going on last year's, I guess there was about twenty five thousand. So maybe they're hoping to to get that and, and above so we'll see um tickets are at a cost this year at ten ten dollars a, a head but under 18s are free so that might draw in a few more and, and a decent crowd and with the restrictions been lifted quite a lot um here hopefully that'll you know bump up the numbers i'm not sure if we'll get 53 like we did um in my 2019 final but you know fingers crossed that we'll see a pretty full adelaide oval on saturday yeah, it'd be brilliant. Um, it's 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 a good time for women's sport. Obviously, Barcelona sold out the new camp uh a, w- a week ago, and now they've they've sold it out again. There does there there does see um Ireland's game against Sweden, uh, the Republic of Ireland's qualifier uh next week is sold out in Gothenburg as well. Uh, it does seem like women's sport is is riding a a bit of a crest of a wave. Does it feel like that in Australia as well? Yeah, it does. And and to be fair, even from the get go, since I've since I've been over here, um. The support of the women's competition has been has been second to none and it's it's something that you know it was a big change for me coming from GAA and stuff and while we got you know pretty decent crowds when it came to finals back home for for the ladies all around you know during the round games you'd be you know sometimes you'd be lucky to get 50 people there at times depending on you know the time of the weekend and that kind of thing but over here Adelaide has been quite fortunate that it's the only team in the women's comp so far obviously that's going to change next year when Port Adelaide come in but so the majority of football fans are supporting the women's team and are supporting us Adelaide um Crows so we've been really really lucky having three four five six seven thousand at, at our round games in in the height of it obviously with COVID that's affected the numbers quite significantly but still like you're always looking at the thousands um at, you know at each venue that we we play in so it's um yeah, like the rise of women's sport. And I think the AFLW has really, you know, hit the nail on the head from the get-go, you know, having such a um, such a, a young competition and have so much, generated so much support and, and you know, publicity so far. It's it's a credit to them. And it's great to see how, how far women's sport is, is starting to come in, you know, many different ways and in many different countries as well. So hopefully it just keeps rising and rising and, and, and you know, keeps keeps going on that wave. Mm. Um, there's, there is. I would say there, there, there's a disproportionate interest in the women's AFL in Ireland because there, there's 14 players and the coverage is, is, is brilliant. Um, compared to what the men's get because I think the men's it's kind of almost old hat now, and also when the guys come over they have to commit for years on end. Whereas until this, until next season, shall we say, um, you know the likes of your opponent uh, on Saturday, Sinead Goldrick, she can do both. Um where you know play for dublin and play in the aflw so that's kind of i think helped generate the interest in the women's game because there's players like orlo dwyer who made all australian this week was still turning out for tipperary in in two goals so um that interest is there um but quietly maybe perhaps because you you committed maybe a little bit more 
wholesale than others in, in that you haven't turned out for Clare in the last couple of years. So some people may not even be aware of the fact that you're going into your third grand final and hoping for a second title after winning in 2019 and coming up short in the final last year. Um, you have an incredibly successful <laughs> AFL career under your belt, you know, four or five years in. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, I've been incredibly lucky, um, you know, obviously signing with Adelaide from the get-go and, and you know, all that has come with it in, in the past four seasons that I've been there since 2019. So, you know, like three finals in, in four seasons and, you know, that fourth season didn't actually have a grand final because it was the COVID year. So, basically three from three seasons has been an incredible, um, you know, feed. And I think this... This week, I think more more than any of the past few years, it's kind of, you know, I've been kind of taking a look back and, you know, just at the experience that I've had over, you know, my four seasons here and how incredibly lucky I have the opportunity to, you know, potentially run out for a third grand final, you know, in in a sport that I, you know, didn't grow up playing and, and a sport that when I got signed in 2018 was, you know, would have been happy going home with one game under my belt and that was that. Not to talk about, you know, winning the grand final in 2019 and been fortunate enough to play and, and getting re-signed and continued after that and playing another grand final last year and, you know, another grand final again this year. So it's it's just been an absolute roller coaster. Like no year has been the same. And that's probably the beauty of it that, you know, every year has been completely different. Um and it's had its ups and it's by God, it's had its downs too. So, you know, it's um, you know, it's been an incredible journey and um I think this week has been kind of just a little bit reflective on on, on how lucky and how, how good it's been. Mm, because I say you played in, in, in this your third grand final, people might think it's all it's all been uh, milk and honey, but you, you've had a couple of tough seasons individually. Last season you missed games because of COVID, a dog bite. Uh, this season you had injury and perhaps you were like struggling to make the team and you got a little bit of luck mm. where, you know, after the defeat to, to your only defeat of season Western Bulldogs you played, but then you, you were on the reserve list for the next game and then actually someone pulled up injured in the warm up, didn't they? And you've kind of kept your place ever yeah. since. So um it's not like you have been always an automatic starter and it's like, you know, it's not you you've kind of had to fight for your position on the team at times, which must make things all the sweeter as well. Yeah, for sure. Like it's been like the the squad that we have at Adelaide is it's incredible. Like um any single player that we have in the 30 could be on the squad. Um, so it's it's an extremely competitive squad to be part of and to try and get your spot on that, you know, 21 for game day is it's an incredibly hard feat. And um, for the first couple of rounds, you know, I had been training well, but just didn't get the nod. And, you know, that's how it goes when you have such a good squad and competitive fit squad. And, um you know, I, I, I managed to get my chance in round three against West Coast. And, and, and since then, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to hold my spot and had that, you know, turn a look when I was emergency. And, and Stevie Lee, unfortunately, had a tight hamstring and, and pulled the pin on, on her perform on her, on her game. So, um, yeah, since then, it's been, you know, I've been so lucky to, to keep my spot and, and hold it for the remainder of the season. And, it's definitely not an easy feat, you know, at a club like Adelaide where, you know, the players are just incredible and there's incredible athletes there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely hasn't been easy. Yeah. And um, 
Tell, tell us a little bit about playing wing half back then, because I think to most people they're you know they're familiar with the game, but they wouldn't be familiar. Everyone knows Ruckman because that's the position that always gets yeah. discussed when the, the international rules are on or whatever. But other positions were a little bit more vague on. So you've been playing wing half back. What what does that mean? Where where do you light up on the field, and what do you what's what does your game entail? I suppose. Yeah. So on on the wing it's predominantly um you know the extra midfielders except we hold a little bit more width we're not exactly in all of the contests we're kind of the next line in um after everyone kind of cracks into each other we, we kind of come in and we're the the extra cover behind it all so we start out um for center bounce um at the start of the game there's one on either side of the square and basically we just cover up and down the field and the role of of a wing is very thankless at times there's a lot of hard running covering back and you know running forward to create that extra pressure so to be honest it's it's much like a midfielder role in, in Gaelic football um you know you do a lot of the donkey work you are sometimes involved in the um attacking and you're sometimes involved in the defending of you know the game like you're there always as a support to everyone else and you're just kind of like that last line of defense for for everyone um so it's a it's a tough role and took a while to to get my head around it because um being a winger you need to know the forward structures the mid structures and the back structures so you kind of need to know everything that's going on in every position and and I think that was probably why initially I, I didn't start you know my career at wing because there was so much to learn I think initially I kind of stayed mostly half forward I did a little bit of half back in my second and third season and this year, I think having the experience of playing up in the forwards, then down back, and and then just getting a grasp of you know what the wingers actually do, and having that you know that past experience of playing midfield, mm. you know, back and getting football and stuff, um, you know, has made that transition finally easier uh, and more understandable. And I think this year, I've really like personally, I've nailed down the structures. I know how the gameplay goes and and that kind of thing, and that has really helped me as a winger to. You know, get be in the right spots and um and everything that goes with the position itself, and obviously being able to do the donkey work, um you know, and being able to run is vital for that role. And you know, that's something that I never have to think about. So that's an easy part of the role is just literally run up and down the field. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> sounds it sounds kind of like the Paul Galvin wing forward role of old, really. Uh, yes. Yeah, like get get in and yes. get in under and kind of sweep up breaking ball and then just run the legs off yourself, which is uh, yeah. yeah, fitness required. Um, you the the season as you mentioned already the, the 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 competition is expanding next year and there's talk of a of an August start, which is obviously has a huge impact on this side of the of of the world for the Irish players because. Yeah you've kind of gone all in on it and kind of you haven't played for Clare for a couple of years but um I don't know if you read or saw what the Mead football manager Eamon Murray said yesterday he's uh he's a little bit uh I think sensitive that Vicky Wall arguably his best player and then winning the All-Ireland last year looks like she'll be going over which means that she'll miss the latter part of the championship if not the whole lot and um sorry I'm just looking for the exact quote here but uh, let's just say he wouldn't be a huge fan of the sport she's going to play he kind of he said, said something along the lines of uh, I, I don't know why you'd want to play that sport because it's dreadful stuff to watch. I can't understand it. There's no skill at all. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he's a man Um, who's hurting. He's hurting his best players going. So I I think there might be some emotion in that quote. But um, it's it's not a view that's... I don't... It's not something I've heard that commonly. But at the same time, you know, 
if Desi Farrell was going to lose Conor Callahan to the AFL, he mightn't be that polite about it either. Uh, it's it, when it starts hitting, I suppose, the ladies' football, to the women's football managers and their teams, um, the kind of the good feeling towards the Australian experiment might start to seep away. I suppose. Yeah, of course, and of course, you can understand, um, you know, the disappointment to lose players from from the squad, and especially how Meath have been going in the past, you know. 12 months off the back of an All-Ireland and Vicky obviously having an, an unbelievable season and, you know, personally, you know, um, had such a brilliant season. Um, it's, I, my personal opinion on managers and, and that kind of thing, you know, getting frustrated, I think is a bit unfair and, um, and I understand where they're coming from and the emotion. Did you get, did you point. get much response in Clare when you kind of decided not to go back? Last couple um, of seasons. To be honest, um, a little bit. You know, some people didn't understand the um, decision, and some people were quite supportive, and, and others were not. And that's just how it goes. And you're never going to please everyone. And at mm. the end of the day, it's it's more about you as a person. It's your than, career. It's your life yeah, as much as exactly. anything. No, it's you're not going over there for a hobby. It's not. It's apples and oranges in a way, isn't it? Exactly. And when you know, like you said, like it's not a hobby. Whereas. Okay. at the end of the day Gaelic football is amateur and it is a hobby um you know we don't get paid for it it's it, you know it costs us money especially as female athletes it costs mm. us money to play Gaelic football for your county at the highest level and at any age group so um I think um I think especially for a female sport um it's a it's a bit unjust to be you know aggravated at players for going over to take up a professional sport because that opportunity for, for women is is few and far between in Ireland. Um, unless you play soccer, you don't really have much of an opportunity to go professional um, as a woman. Um, so you have to look elsewhere. You look at the Irish 15s rugby team, they're not professional. They don't get paid for what they do. It's completely amateur and obviously I know all about it. Yeah, your you sister, know, of course. Yeah. And, 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 and her, her story. So um, She's effectively a professional yeah. athlete who doesn't get paid. At this time exactly. of year, at least, isn't she? Like when you exactly. know the season's in full flow. She is, and I think when you know females have the opportunity, and especially Irish girls, but with a game that's so similar to a game that we grew up with in terms of skill set, um, of course they should grab the opportunity to, first of all, play a new sport, play professionally, and travel the world as well. It, it's an opportunity that we don't get with Gaelic football. Like when we play Gaelic football, we're we're on for eleven months of the year. We may have a month off if we're lucky mm-hmm. between club and county. Um, but with AFLW, you you play your season for at the moment for six to nine months, and you can come home in the off season. And at the moment, yes, you can play Gaelic football when when, when you're at home. Um, obviously with the change of season, that's going to change a lot of people and their decisions. And I think. We've been quite fortunate to have, to have the best of both worlds over the past few seasons for the girls that have chosen to to go mm. home and play. Um, but yeah, it's going to make that decision. You're going to yeah. have to choose one or the yeah. other. And I think that was that was always coming down the track one because it, the season was very compact in the first few years, and it was it wasn't that it was a trial, but it was like we've only got so many teams. But if it was to really become like the men's AFL, the season was always going to get longer. There was always going to be expansion teams. So it's a good thing. But yeah, you're right. For the Irish players, it, it does pose a question now. Yeah, like it's it's going to make players make the decision because it's not going to be feasible anymore. Because to be honest, the competition is improving at an unbelievable rate. Like my 2019 
player would not make it make it this current squad. Like the the rate that it has improved over the past three four years is just incredible, and it's only going going to keep improving. So, um, we can't afford to be missing out in pre seasons and that kind of thing to just come and play games. It's just going to come to the stage where it becomes too hard of an ask to you know to get to the level that we're at over here and it's becoming super professional super quick and they really are pumping in the resources mm. into the game to try and get it to that level and it will be fully professional I reckon in probably five years time we'll have a fully professional AFLW competition where it's 12-month contracts it's fully paid um you know it'll be full-time jobs this will be you know what you do for a living for for the years that you can do it for mm. That's great. And I should just mention that Eamon Murray did recognise that uh, Vicky would be getting a contract and he wasn't begrudging her that. I think he was more looking at it from what Meads were losing rather than what she was gaining. So um, I should yeah. just mention that for fairness sake for him. Um, okay, then then quickly looking ahead to Saturday, um, you're playing Melbourne, uh, as I mentioned, Shane Goldrick's team, who you defeated uh, 35-21 back in January. Uh, you played... I'm going to judge you on your disposals because that's as much as I can see from the stat sheet. You had 11 disposals. It looks like you had a busy enough 11. game. 11, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, you, you had a pretty good fantasy score. <laughs> I think it was about 30 points. You would have earned any of your owners. So it seemed like a, a, a reasonable outing, yeah? Yeah, yeah, not a, not a bad outing. Um, I remember actually preparing for that game and, and knowing um, how much running was going to be involved because their ball movement is, you know, it's immaculate. They're superb, their ball movement. So... Um, as a winger, you really have to cover off that that corridor outside um, ball movement. So I remember actually from the game, it was it was a really really tough battle that we had against them and um, super tight game. Obviously, quite a low scoring game, and you know that just shows that the level of pressure that was on the contest work, everything. Um, you know, we were right in each other's grills for the entire game, and it'll be much the same, I'd imagine, at the weekend. It's going to be, you know potentially a low scoring high contested game and and really really high pressure and um similar to their semi-final against Brisbane um but yeah it's um you know they're they play a really nice brand of football um Melbourne do and and I think you know we just really need to bring our A game um and you know to really to really try and win to win and um, we'll have to be in, at our absolute best yeah well you, I would, I haven't, I haven't checked the tab odds or anything, but I, I'm assuming you were probably favourites as you were the first ranked team. You made the final last year. You're obviously looking for your second title. Um, I, I would presume memories of last year's grand final defeat are at the front of everybody's mind this week, and you're trying to use it as inspiration rather than being haunted by it. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's been um something that has really driven the group on this year and um. A lot, obviously, a lot of us have experienced the 2019 win. You know, we still have quite a few players from from that um, from that squad. Um, but I think a lot of the girls last year um, weren't involved in that 2019, and last year was their first kind of you know bite at the cherry for a grand final. Um, and a lot of them are younger girls, and you know wouldn't have experienced the whole lead up and build up and all that kind of thing. So it was so new to them. But I think. Going on, having that experience of last year, um, you know, for the majority of the squad, like we didn't have much of a turnover. We had pretty pretty similar girls again this year. Um, you know, we'll really stand to to everyone. And I think leading into the game, it's just a real focus that we have. Um, that we have that drive behind us. We know that feeling of losing. And and for me, I know the feeling of winning and losing. And, you know, it's kind of brought everything into perspective again and it kind of 
really drives you on that little bit more having that loss so fresh last year against Brisbane and being outplayed in a final and like that's that's a tough thing to take as well when you're when you lose and when you're outplayed it's it's you know it's it's a bitter pill to swallow at home in Adelaide Oval and I think a lot of the girls feel like we have a second chance to make this right and and we're going to do it at the weekend and so it's yeah the, the driving force to, I think to this season has been you know the disappointment of of you know not finishing the job last year okay well um wish you the best of luck on Saturday and I hope you get a bit of rest now because it sounds like you have a lot of running to do on, on Saturday um <laughs> <laughs> so uh thanks very sure. much Eilish, and we'll chat to you again okay that was uh Eilish Constantine um feeling relaxed ahead of uh, Saturday's final. Um, your old buddy, Val Breedstack, kind of surprised a few people last year by deciding to go down, and obviously she had awful luck, uh, but she had a better run of it this year, even if the greater uh, Western Sydney didn't have the, the, the best of seasons. Uh, I can take it from things you've written about this in the past uh, in the Irish Examiner that it, there was a, a little bit of a pang of jealousy that perhaps this didn't happen maybe five, ten years ago. Did you ever well, get the chance, Val? No. And at the time, actually, like, I think it had been starting, but I, I I, wouldn't have left. I don't think any of the Cork girls would have. I think it kind of worked nicely for Breeden that she was finished her intercounty career, still flying fit, and it was a new opportunity. Um, very brave woman, uh, having broken bones in her neck. But I think knowing Bree, like, she just wanted to give it a proper go and, and probably felt like she let people down where she didn't. But... She kind of wanted to prove to herself or, and also to give it a proper go. Like, so fair play to her for going back out there. I don't think there was her own family were probably too impressed <laughs> putting herself in risky situations. But, um, you know, I think she's thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, and it's a wonderful opportunity for herself and her family. So, um, you know, she's had a good year and got to show and enjoy it herself and play well. Yeah. You say you wouldn't have left, and obviously the the enticements to stay when you were playing were obvious that just the success you were having um as a team and obviously the closeness of you um as a team uh Eamon Murray this week the mead manager obviously he's not happy about the fact that he's probably going to lose his best player in Vicky Wall and he he did kind of make some derogatory statements about the sport saying there's no skill in it and why would you be bothered even watching it um which may come more from a place of hurt than anything else but as Ailish yourself says Val it's very difficult to like to turn down like if you have any aspirations of being an athlete full-time this is yeah. this is impossible this is dreamland stuff like Ayla she's been over there for four five years she's played this is her third grand final she's already won one title and she's living as a professional athlete and uh, she seems to be making a life for herself over there so that or kind of play intermediate or junior football for Claire like no no offense to Claire yeah. but it's not a hard decision really but that's what's happening. It's like the best players from the, let's say, the weaker counties are losing their best players and that's having a massive shift in their prospects. So um, it's a big hit for those counties mm. and it's happening with like Tip and Clare and um, and that's all, you know, Leitrim as well, I think. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so that's tough on them. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you can't, you know, you can't, be mad at anyone for trying to take that opportunity. No, um, yeah. He, no, he, he come up with some mad comments, right? 
it is a hard game to play. I, like, I don't think I would actually enjoy it at all. Mm. I watched it the other day and it's very tough. And like the the idea of going to kick the ball and getting taken out from behind when you don't know when the tackle is, is it's kind of worrying me. Like so, And, get, and getting slammed to the ground. That, mm. I, I lived in Australia for a good bit uh, when I was much younger and I got was lucky enough I got to see the great Jim Steins play live in the flesh um, obviously before you know while he was still playing for North Melbourne I think they used to wear black with black with a red sash I think and um, I went to a good few games like it was a bit, it's kind of a very American culture around it in that the game kind of goes on for a long time they're 20 minute quarters with big breaks in between there's time off time on so there's you know getting the the stubbies and the beers in and the popcorn and there's all that type of culture around it you know but as i was what i was most curious about when i was when i was there and this is going back to the mid 90s now was is it any good is it any good of a sport like and i'd seen obviously you know bits and pieces on the old rt2 and used to have a bit on, on saturday mornings and that and I'd probably go along with Eamon to a certain extent, <laughs> right? I'm not so sure. Like, there are obviously skills to this. Like, there are fantastic skills. There's incredible athleticism to yeah. it. It's, it's very, very physical. And, um, you know, there's there's the, it, it's a very peculiar type of skill as well, given the fact that the pitches, uh, I, think, I think a lot of people that aren't familiar with the game don't realize that the pitch is actually an oval pitch so and it's 18 aside isn't it isn't it isn't that right is it is like so there's about 36 players with rolling subs so you like it can look like sort of you know what we would look like as sort of an under eight sort of chaos you know there's <laughs> you're kind of going how is this how is there any sort of like uh rhyme or reason to this but look there is and i'm uh, as valerie said there's just it, it is a very there is a lot of skills to it, very athletic, but um, and uh, and but you couldn't blame anybody for wanting to give it a go. It's a professional lifestyle, so you just have to say good luck to them at the same time. Yeah, twenty-five million Australians can't be around, lads. The popularity of the sport over there is is insane. So, funnily enough, actually, it's there. It was only the VFL when, or it had just become the AFL. Like uh, people like, again, another Jesus. Thing. How old are you, Rory? Yeah, I know, I know <laughs> the history of it. Like it was only played really in Victoria. Yeah, up, up until about the late nineteen eighties or the early nineteen nineties, and then Sydney put in a team, Sydney Swans, yeah. and then a few other uh, cities, and then it's, it has it has branched out ever since. So it has. I know it's very popular there now, and good luck to them, but. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You won't be getting up at three thirty in the no, morning, then, do I? Definitely it? not. Okay. Um, listen, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you to Valerie and thank you to Rory. Uh, just to note that, of course, you can follow the um, the Camogie finals uh, on RT Television and RT Radio. And RT Radio on Sunday Sport will have the live coverage of the Women's Football League finals as well, and we'll have all that coverage online as well so you can get it there and also just to mention this week's we become heroes podcast with marie crow is with ursula jacob our own ursula jacob reflecting on her incredible Class. career um all right so thank you very much everybody and we'll chat to you again next week good luck by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! Wow. It's over the bar!